Jay here. If I could ask, could you give us a little five-star rate in Apple Podcasts? Go on, please. It won't take long. You can just do it now. That'd be lovely. And share the podcast. Tell your friends. Appreciate it. And on today's show, we talk to the super awesome Michelle Mouillet from Sustainable My Cow. South African Michelle arrived in Phuket 26 years ago and fell in love with the island. From growing up during apartheid, backpacking in the Middle East and Asia, to finally arriving on the shores of Phuket, Michelle has had an awesome journey here. Now, the passion is the planet, the environment, and educating people on the value of being sustainable. Michelle is just awesome and the driving force behind Sustainable My Cow. This was a super fun chat. Some might say it was rather moving. Mm, You'll understand that joke later in the podcast. Anyway, the awesome Michelle. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast. I feel like I haven't seen you for a long time. That's because you didn't come last week because you were sad. Um, you were. I, and I still am. Okay, we'll get over it. Just for today's podcast. It needs to be positive. And this is this is in, I'm, I'm environmentally friendly podcast, this one. Because we are very environmentally friendly. We are. Michelle. Hi. Michelle, how, what, what's your, how do I say your last name? I know everyone gets that. It's French. I know it's everyone uh, gets that. That's a weird surname. <laughs> Michelle, everyone gets that. Tell you what. It's pretty catchy, isn't it? Yeah. Sure. And we're off. <laughs> I bet you did well at school. Um, but I'll answer. It's actually, um, it's my married name. So it's Mouye. Mouye. Mouye, which is not at all the way it's written, right? It's, no. the, it's those French things with the accents at the end where the I, double L, E becomes isn't yay. Isn't that muscles, Mouye? Mou, uh, um, yeah. is muscles, but Mouye means wet. Oh. There we go. <laughs> Which is perfect because I love the ocean and I love ocean sports. So is that why you married him? Of course. Because it was he was. The name. No, see, there's, there's, a, there's a big joke there and it's too early <laughs> in the podcast. So we're about 18 seconds in. Okay, <laughs> we'll get back to that. Yeah. 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 Um, you have a French surname, but you do not sound, sound French. French. You sound South African. I am South African and I can't get a, a, away from that accent. No. But um, it's funny because I do have French blood. I actually have eight different nationalities. That's what you get from South Africa. We're pretty mixed. <laughs> yeah. That's why people never know where I'm from, you know, until you hear me speak. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. I yeah. have something in my head. Really? Yeah. Let it out. I mean, let it out. My suggestion, and for everyone else's sake, fucking keep it there. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I'm probably going to keep it in my okay, head. Okay, tell me well. after though. I will right? do. I'm I curious. Do. I will do. Okay, if I remember it. Um, when did you get to Phuket? In 1997. Yep, it was a long time ago. But oh, I... Holy. Yeah, I was backpacking. And I found Phuket and I just loved it. I felt that it's well, the you place. Actually, you found Phuket? Yeah, I'm the founder for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I ended up here and I just loved it. It had that mix of everything you could want, you know, 26, 7 years ago. <gasps> so I dropped pretty, my, pretty different. my timer. Yeah. 26 years ago? Yeah, 1997. So, um, yeah, but, I was... But hmm? what was it that... What, you, were, you were backpacking? I was so, backpacking. And, and how, how far into your journey were you? This is, I, I often have this question for... There's a, a fair few people that have done this. We were backpacking 
and then they got somewhere and wow, just this is it and stopped and stayed there. So my question is, how far into your backpack, backpacking journey were you and how much more did you have to go? I had been backpacking for three years. Wow. But on and off, going Christ, back you're to... slow. <laughs> <laughs> I like to spend some time, though, in places. I don't like the quick tour, so I like to settle in. You're fucking work. right. You know what <laughs> I mean? Three years backpacking. But, but I went back to South Africa in between that to make money in South Africa, real money, and then I used that to travel okay. some old. Right. So okay. it was a three-year thing. But um, Thailand, um, I spent nine months in Thailand at that point, and I came to Phuket probably in the third month. And then um, I had been up to the north, the, the south, um, stayed in Bangkok for some time. But I just fell in love with Phuket. You know why? Uh, well, is this, is this a game? <laughs> it's a, a game. game. Okay, it's right, there you go. I'm going ocean, <laughs> yes. beaches. Yes. Food. That, one says that food. Were, which yes. were probably clean at that point. Um, oh, no, no. <laughs> it was worse. It was worse. We'll oh, talk about oh, that. Oh, wow. Funny there enough. you go. Interesting topic. Um, uh, the people. The people, of course. Yeah. And the mountains, you know, it had that mix of the mountains, the jungle, the rice paddies, the buffalo, the local people, the, the and this sea, is Phuket everything. We're talking about. This was Phuket yeah. 20, wow. in, in 1997. And now it's got van drivers, taxi drivers, <laughs> tuk tuk drivers, crazy <laughs> tourists on motorbikes. Unquestionable infrastructure. But mm. let me tell you, my cow is still pretty good. That's why I live up How there. How old is your cow? <laughs> my cow? Oh, very long, very old. 23 years. <laughs> That's so how long I've Russell, worked in my car. I'm sorry, sorry, Russell. That's possibly the best joke you've ever, ever said. <laughs> it's a good one. I really like that. I really like that. It's really good. I'm going to track right back to um, growing up. Whereabouts in South Africa did you grow up? I grew up in Johannesburg, the city, okay. the city center. I ask this question every time, and Russell hates this question, <laughs> but what was it like growing up in the city of Johannesburg? Busy... Um, not too much. Uh, well, actually, in those days, we were free. We could walk around. South Africa was a different South Africa to the way mm. it is now. So um, as a young girl, I could walk around. It was pretty free. But the city was always busy, always many people, of course. And uh, growing up in South Africa in the time of apartheid was very... Um, it was a tough time because there was no acceptance of the other culture, you know. And I yeah. grew up in the, the white side of South Africa because the non-white side had less opportunities, even though I am pretty mixed. But um, we, we basically just had to go through it. We couldn't have non-white friends. We couldn't really hang out with non-white people. There was a lot of segregation, and it was a very strange time. But when we did have a chance to go out to the countryside, that's what really um, helped me to feel at peace and a kind of acceptance, just enjoying the, the nature where everything is accepted and everything works together and everything is balanced. And I think that's why I chose Phuket, because Phuket is acceptance. You know, Thailand is acceptance, no matter where you're from. And um, it's just a place where I feel at home more than I ever felt in South Africa. Yeah, oh, That's a really yeah. lovely answer. Sure, thank that's you. That's the best answer to that question ever. See that question? It's only taken... 135 <laughs> episodes for that question <laughs> yeah. to be relevant. Yeah. It's the lucky number, 135, like I said. And forgive me for asking this question, but are you from a mixed-race family? I am. As I mentioned earlier, I have eight different nationalities, which cover... Stop um, it, once yeah. again, that no, joke's well, yeah, in yeah, my yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so although I have like European and um, Asian blood, I also have African blood, so it's a mixed. So a lot of my family were on the non-white side, and we were on the white side. Do you know how they and could tell? We had to have an interview. They had to ask, uh, ask, ask questions, look at the shape of our noses, 
see if our hair was straight and if we would pass to be on the white side. So, which you just answered my question, which, which was going to be from a, a mixed race uh, heritage. How was that growing up in apartheid South Africa? Because from the outside, you look at it as two sides. Yes. And that, that, that's all there ever was. But there's a, there's a third angle to that. And how, how did you, you said you grew up on, on the white side, but then how, how, did, how was that? How were you accepted you're, how, being yeah. from mixed race growing up on the white side? Um, it was it was um, it was fear that I would be found out. Right? Can you imagine that? Wow. No. So no, it's just terrible. That's why the whole apartheid and all of that is it's disgusting, you know, because it just uh, separates people. I mean, like someone just told me recently on a trip to the Maldives, um, you cannot you cannot be blamed for the color skin that you were born into, mm. you know. But in South Africa, it was like that. So growing up with white friends. Um, accepted and everything was great but if I had uh, family visiting from a mixed side mm. I would be very very scared that my friends would find me out or if we would see family at the tr at the um, at the shopping center and I was with my white friends I would have to avoid my family or go see them and be found out so it was a really messed up situation wow. you know what I mean yeah so that, that's yes. why Phuket oh my goodness I'm so happy to be here it's just wow. acceptance and I only realized how messed up it was when I started traveling oh. so that's why I backpacked yeah, yeah. for three years you know get away <laughs> yeah, run away <laughs> have you got brothers and sisters I do I have a brother he is still in South Africa okay and older or younger older okay um when did you decide, oh sorry, before I ask that question, or you decided to go backpacking, you, school, college, university, all through South Africa, and then after university you decided to go for, a, or was it during university? Midway university actually, because oh, okay. I was paying for my studies and studying with UNISA. And um, after one year... I'm sorry, studying with Unisa? Is yes. she a friend of yours? Or? No, no. You want oh. to meet her? I don't know. If she's single, <laughs> no, no. yeah. <laughs> Unisa. Unisa is short for the University of Southern Africa. Okay. So it's kind of like an online... Well, they didn't have computers then. It was a correspondence yeah. course. Wow, where so we, you're writing a letter and then oh, send yeah. it in the, in the post. But we, we had stamp. support <laughs> and stamps. We had support with, uh, with uh, like a few teachers. And it was actually great because the people teaching us business economics were actually people working. So, sorry, that was you were studying business and economics. That's right. I was okay. doing um, actually marketing and management, a BCom. So I did that for one year, and then it just didn't work out. You know, working at night every day and and having to be up and 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 study. I really um, admire people who can do that because for me it was too much after a year. So I took another way. I went to work, ended up in investment banking and IT support and all kinds of things, and then opportunity to go to Germany and be an au pair girl. How so did that you, an opportunity just came it to just you? came up you know when when the time is right things come to you and off i went and when i was in germany i realized wow this is what i want to do and was germany your first time outside of south africa yes wow the first time mm. i actually took the plane overseas i mean can you believe it because south africa is so far away yeah so can this I, I was sorry how old were you at the time i was 20 okay so 20, just before my 21st birthday. And that was incredible, working in the beer gardens, being an au pair yeah. girl. It was just like, wow, <laughs> another world. And that's when I really learned about what was happening in South Africa. Because before the, the history, view, yeah. uh -huh, the history, everything in South Africa, in my white world, so to say, was all about how bad Mandela was. And he's such a terrorist, a terrorist and everything. Yeah. So when I got out of that bubble, I realized that there was so much propaganda happening. And we had been um, just like lied to, you know. So then I saw the other side. And that's why I think travel is so important. 
It teaches you about yourself, your country, and mm -hmm. about so many things. Opens your mind. Yeah. Your mind. Just out of interest, so, uh, sorry, the eight, you were 20, 21. 20, 20, and how long were you in Germany for? For six months. And then back to South Africa. That's right. So with that now, that new eyes wide open, enlightened view of the world, and oh, actually things might not be as rosy as they are back home. When you came back, did you did you let on? Did you try and discuss it? Or was it just a more of a case of, I know the hidden secret, but I'm going to keep quiet because I'm still living this careful life. I discussed it with people close to me, but it was, and, and some of them, like my family would get what I'm saying. And, and But still, they had this deep hate, which comes from apartheid, mm. because of things happening, because of crime. And unfortunately, a lot of the crime that we see, unfortunately, it is uh, people with darker skin. Yeah. So but it's, it's economic of, base as opposed to anything else, right? So and everything is understandable. You've yeah. got to look at history to understand what's happening in present life. You know, you have to understand why a lot of black people are taking back their farms and their houses because that's what happened to their uh, predecessors. Yeah. You know, so everything is balanced in life. Like in Thai, you say "som nam na," you give what you get. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, the people who are getting the bad now are not the ones who did the bad in the past. Yeah. But that's an ongoing worldwide thing that you know. Yeah, we can't really um, make changes. Hopefully, in generations and generations to come, we'll be able to make changes along with environmental changes, right? <sighs> oh, it's, this is a whole new topic, yeah. isn't it? You know, holy moly! Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm going back to the joke about you with eight <laughs> things inside. Anyway, stop it. Um, so Germany was your first little um, step into the the wilderness of travel, and you got you got the travel buzz. Yes. What was it like for your your parents when you said, "Look, I really enjoy traveling. Can I go do more?" Were they supportive of that? They were very supportive. Um, it was very sad. My mom still cries that I'm away, you know, so many <laughs> years later. But they understood that for me to have better opportunities in this life, this is what I need to do. So a parent's love, and it actually brings breaks my voice, you know. <laughs> uh, a parent's love is so unconditional that they would rather their child be far away from them and be happy. happy than to be in a place where it's dangerous and they have less opportunity. Can I argue that point? Because at <laughs> 6 o'clock this morning when Ashton woke me up, I wasn't that much in love with him, I have to say, <laughs> to be honest. How old is Ashton? Ashton was eight. Okay, later. Was eight. Hang see. on a minute, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> what happened this I, I'd morning? I've forgotten about him now. <laughs> Bless him. So, you got back after Germany and thought, Do you know what, I've got this travel bug, I want to travel more. So, yes. what was the plan? So, okay, I was also in, in, in England when I was in Germany do some, doing some other work. I had the six what, months whoa, in whoa, Germany. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah. Quite yeah, far away, yeah, yeah. to be honest, to be in one or the other. Not yeah. really. I was, in, I was in Germany for six months. It was a six-month job. But during those six months, I had an opportunity to hop over, which is not far, to, to London, do a bit of work there, see what London's like, and come back to the family. Okay. So that was my travel bike. And then I went back to South Africa to work. Just to, And the idea in your head was, I'm going to work. I'm going to earn money because I want to get out. Yes. And I'm going to, uh, but to do what? Just travel or? Travel. I just wanted to travel. And so off I went to the kibbutz to mm -hmm. work there and travel the Middle East, um, Sinai, Egypt. That was incredible. And then money ran out. So back to London and I had some contacts there from the first time and I worked all different kinds of jobs, maybe six or seven different kinds of jobs in, 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 in London. And um, after that, Went back to South Africa, worked again, and then did my um, Asian tour. Well, Asian trip, let's say. So the Middle East, nothing grabbed you to stay in the Middle East? No. Wasn't a fan? No. It, it, I was a fan. I loved it. 
the Israel was incredible mm. because I grew up as a Christian. So learning from the Bible about all these places and then seeing it in real life was incredible. Okay. Egypt was a dream of mine. Hold on, we've done apartheid. We're now doing religion. Jesus, where are we <laughs> going to go next? Jesus. Jesus. So much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but sorry. No, sorry. no, no, that's fine. That's funny. So yeah, Egypt was one of those places that you have to visit in your lifetime. Well, that's what I wanted. So, um, What did you like about Egypt? Because I know many people that go to Egypt now that don't enjoy going there because it's, it seems to be over-touristy. What was it like when you went there? Wow, it was, when was it? It was like 90, when was it? 95, 96, I was in Egypt. There weren't too many tourists. There weren't many girls traveling alone. Mm. And we were two girls, myself and a, and, and a blonde girl, okay? So we just got pss, 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 beautiful the whole way through. It was so annoying. We became, actually, we became uh, violent about what we'd want to do to these people because it was just... Um, incredibly annoying yeah. to be uh, looked like that, you know. But when we learned... Objectified, really. Yeah. yeah. But later we learned that if girls are traveling without their husbands, they see them as prostitutes, Western women. Mm. So that's why they were treating us like that. But no harm was done. It was just the the, pss, 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 the whole time, which was annoying. Well, the, well, the, there's an argument, it, you know, <clears throat> there's an argument that harm was done, but it, in, in the, the modern way of looking at it, because... You know, Words and sounds are, are hurtful, right? So right. Let's not go down that particular route. <laughs> so there was no physical harm, yeah, let's yeah, say, yeah. just you know mental. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, and how long did you spend in, in the Middle East? The Middle East was also around six months, I okay. think. Six months, say seven months, something like that, which was great. And then, uh, well, that it was, um, sorry, it was four months in the Middle East and then two months in London to work. Okay. And then back to South Africa again to work and see family. And then you went out, and then, then you started your Asian leg of the, the trip. And where did you go before you got to, to Phuket? To, Thailand? to Hong Kong. Okay. But so when were you there? Oh, I was not there for long, just a few days. And okay. we wanted to get out of there. It was January, it was cold. Mm -hmm. It was the city once again. Yeah. And it felt like a Chinese London. It was before the, the, before the changeover. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then we came to Thailand, which was just a, a paradise. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's chalk and cheese. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, and so you spent time sort of up in the north, down to Bangkok. Did you do the south of Thailand as well? That's right, we right. did. We did. Okay. We, first, we, we arrived in Bangkok, of course, went down uh, with a train. As yeah. we were backpackers, we did the third class train with yeah. all the chickens and, and, the, the, yeah, and, and the, the people yeah. and people sleeping on the floor under the seat. It was wonderful, right? <laughs> no air conditioning. And that's, that's actually, on those trips is when I realized what was happening or, or what the culture was in, with, in terms of environment. Because I remember this day so clearly way back then in, in 97. We were on this train looking out the window at the beautiful scenery. And a man in maybe maybe a few windows away, he finished his beer and he just threw it out the window. Can or bottle? A bottle. <gasps> and that's when I realized, oh my goodness. Um, wow. You know, people don't realize that um, nature cannot eat it. This is how we, what we would say in Thai, tamachat kin mai dai. Nature mm -hmm. cannot eat the rubbish, which is a simple way for people to understand. It's not biodegradable. And that's when I had this sudden change inside that I want to do something about this in general. That was just, the light bulb moment. That was the light bulb mm. in 97. And wow. then after that, I started to notice it more and more. I'm not saying that where I came from was perfect, but Germany, for example, were very good with their rubbish management way back then. And South Africa had a lot of <laughs> campaigns when I was growing up. Sorry, uh, what were you giggling yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what was in Germany? Disagree? Was there a joke there? <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's... Uh, okay, 
minus segue, I was listening to a, a podcast on the way here. This is a, a slide. One of our podcasts? No, 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 it wasn't. It was a, oh. a, a film podcast. And they just referred to um, that the Queen Mother, bless her cotton socks, used to sign off her um, her letters sort of during the war as tinkity tonkle fruit and down with the Nazis. And that was a genuine thing, how the Queen Mother used to sign off her letters. So, And that, that reference is something that they run through... Um, through the show and I've just been listening to that and here we are saying Germany were very good with their rubbish and I suddenly thought not so long ago but anyway that was a minor segue that just so we've now hit apartheid religion, religion Jesus and, Nazis. and Nazis yeah brilliant we're full on this week <laughs> juicy podcast <laughs> well, yeah, I tell you what <laughs> um, from the environmental point of view and that was a light bulb moment when you saw someone throwing it out but 97 was really early in the day for environmental sustainability yes but at that time I remember growing up in the UK, sustainability was was not something we ever talked about, and environment wasn't something we all, we all talked about, apart from not using paper because it was going to chop down trees, and that was it. You can't use paper anymore. Paper's bad. Plastic's a thing. Well, Plastic's was, great. But that was also the onset of modern-day computing, was the idea we had the paperless office, because we've all got computers now, which generated even more paper. But also, green pools. I remember the argument. I've got a can of Diet Coke in front of me. Other Cokes are available, of course, or Pepsi's. And the ring pool changed about yeah. that time as well. That's when right. you used to have the ring pool used to come off. Yeah. And I remember there was a I remember listening to the radio and there was a big debate about how these new ring pools which go in are disgusting and they're dirty because you're putting all the germs and stuff yeah. into your drink and stuff. It's it's interesting how, you know, the the whole mindset and also we used to get bottles delivered, milk delivered to us mm-hmm. at a doorstep. Whereas now that doesn't happen. But that was the most sustainable thing in the world. A milkman yeah. delivering yeah. your milk and then Breaking the next the day taking the bottles yeah. away. It was also the, the Pepsi Man, I think, delivering soft drinks to some places. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we could get orange juice and everything. would deliver them in glass bottles, and then you put your bottles outside. He would take them the next day, and that was it. Job done. Sorry, just segueing away from 97. No, but that's true what you're saying. Things have Thanks. changed a lot, you know. And, and as for sustainability, it is now the time, I think, to speak about sustainability and to do things about it because people are more aware of it, probably because of all the problems. Mm -hmm. And before we get into heavily into sustainability, I just want to get to the point of when you arrived in Phuket. Um, So you've done your traveling, you did your Asia tour, and you you landed on the shores of Phuket, and that was it. It was it in the way that I feel good here, and I also met my husband here. So Uh, there we go. Very Okay, so at the, the similar time that you arrived here. The same okay. time, for sure. And we were camping in the National Park w- with tents, again with that same friend from Egypt, you know, the blonde girl. Yeah. And everybody hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah. girl and you and your husband. Mm, that's whoa, 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 hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't say no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's another story, that's yeah. all I'm saying. A long that, story. That's for the podcast extra. That's yeah. next one. Podcast number 136. So, uh, yeah, Phuket just felt right, you know. And I went back to South Africa once again after all of this happened, the the tour of Thailand. But the whole time my heart was just saying, go back to Phuket, go back to Thailand. Um, Just in terms of, uh, and coming back to Thailand, so how long did you go back to South Africa for? Again, just to work, get money, and then to come back. Well, actually, I went back to work, and I worked with the Tourism Authority of Thailand. You see how there was that connection. Then uh, my husband came to Phuket, uh, came to South Africa to Where's find he me. Where's from? He's from France. Okay. Mouye, right? Oh, from yeah, France. Yeah, so uh, we stayed ah, in... Hold on. Sorry. Do you not remember 20 minutes yeah, yeah, ago? Sorry, yeah, yeah. We've covered so we much. Have, yeah. We have. We had the whole thing about muscles and <laughs> yeah. it's the wrong way and we worked out it was wet. Even I know that. I remember that. Good. Thank good, you. Good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, how long did I stay in South Africa? Yeah. 
Wow, we are. When was it? It was probably a one year, just a okay. little bit over a year. But we went to live in in, in Cape Town, mm-hmm. which okay. is just beautiful. Yeah. So that's a whole different South Africa. And I also worked with Thai Restaurant Holdings, which was a group of five different Thai restaurants owned by a Thai person cool. with Thai chefs, Thai food. So the whole time, everything was Calling. just in Thailand. Yeah. You know, go back. And with everything that we had planned to to do, nothing really worked out because our path was to come back here, which we got to do on Christmas Eve. Uh, or Christmas Day, at least, I landed in Phuket, wow. 1998. There you go. In terms of what was your idea of what you wanted to do here when you first, then on that point, right, we're going to Phuket, that's it, that's where we're going to be based. What did you have in your mind as you wanted to do? Teach. Okay. Teach English, because that's what I did uh, as one of my jobs the year before okay. in Bangkok. What was your husband doing? At that time, uh, before when I met him, mm. he was building Yacht Haven Marina. Oh, really? Yes. Ah. Nice. He was the project manager. Okay. And we went back in 98 and he was the base manager for Thai Marine Leisure yep. at Yacht Haven Marina. So he was taking care of the June Batra, the Suwan Matcha, all of those beautiful junks, mm-hmm. as well as bear boats. Oh, so it was great that he got to work on the marina that he built. <coughs> yeah. It's a beautiful yes. marina. It I is. Have to, the views are stunning yeah, nice from up there. there. It, it is lovely. In 96, it was quite something because they had to dredge and everything. It was not, um, it, it was it was incredible. Mm. He was working in the mud and, you know, this uh, beautiful Frenchman with his blonde hair and brown <laughs> skin. Just going back. Look at your little eyes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you know. I wish I had a sparkle when I spoke about someone. Sure, you especially your, your partner. Was, no, honestly, that was so beautiful. Your eyes just really sparkled then. And mm. I don't see that very often from people, but that was lovely. That's wonderful. Oh, bless I'm, you. I've got to tell him that. Yeah. So I'll be happy to know that. We've been married 20 years now, so that's good. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I was married. No, let's not talk let's about that. Let's not go down that road. No, let's yeah. not go down that. <laughs> speaking, of, part. speaking of chalk and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so you started to teach the, the English here in Phuket. You, you had the buzz for the sustainable or the environmental buzz. What were you doing at that time or was it not part of your daily routine, let's say? It was part of my English lesson. Okay. So instead of teaching this is a cat, we can teach something to do with uh, this piece of rubbish goes in the bin or something yeah. like that. Well, and I hold on. I'd just like to say you didn't put cats in the bin because that's nasty. Well, no, I then again, do that. Cats. I'll t- look at Russell and say, is that okay, Russ? Jury's out. Don't really care. You've got to love them all, Russell. Even I, no, I do like I do, mm-hmm. I do just I do like cats. I'm just allergic to them. Me too. Mm. Me too. Although I had cats for most of my life. But now I have dogs, chickens and a cat. And a cow. And a cow in my cow, for sure. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so you're teaching the English and, and trying to... But at that time, you said, and we mentioned this before, you said that Phuket was a lot dirtier than it was before. In certain places. For example, my cow, right? Mm-hmm. My cow was, was pretty dirty because at that point, nobody was really thinking about beach cleanups. And unfortunately, the rubbish was still coming in with the monsoon waves, right? Oh, yeah, okay. So that's always a problem, as you know, from um, April or let's say May to Mm. October, November, there will always be that monsoon trash. So we can't really blame the people going to the beach, although they are involved as well. Sure. But it's a huge project, a a huge problem. You know, I think rubbish comes from many different uh, sources, from waterways, boats, from Mm. landfills, from people, etc., so in those days, uh, Maikau Beach was very dirty, I would say. And that's where you actually. were living at the time? Yes. So you've always really been living up the, the north end? That's why I love it there. That's why it's so special to me. Wow. It's a long way away, isn't it? That's what my kids tell me every day. 
but um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, wouldn't we dri- drive them to BIS? But I love it up wow, there. Hold on, you every day you drive yes. from my cow to BIS. I know it's not very uh, environmentally friendly. I know. Well, how else are you going to do it? There's exactly. no public transport here, so you know. My cow. I should put a, a, a car. Just saddle up, my cow. saddle up the cow. You should really give that cow a name because the poor <laughs> thing. I mean, Daisy will be all right, wouldn't it? Daisy's nice. <laughs> Daisy's a Daisy cow. Nice, yeah. <laughs> when did you decide that you wanted to do something more proactive? from the sustainable point of view and the environmental point of view? What was the moment that you went, do you know what, I've just got to do something? 2003. 2003. As Johnny Wilkinson was dropping that drop goal, you had a light bulb moment. That's it. There we go. (laughs) Good reference, Russ. I thought you'd appreciate that. If you're an egg chaser, you'll understand (laughs) that. So 2003, I was on the beach once again in my car and I said, okay, let's do something about it. So uh, through my husband's assistant, who is just wonderful, couldn't see one. She's from that village. She helped me contact the local authorities. And we said we wanted to we wanted to do a beach cleanup. So we got the school involved. We got the um, everybody involved. But I realized in order to get people involved, you need to give them something too. <laughs> so we went door to door at Boat Lagoon and asked all the different businesses to donate. And we also went to the boats and asked the boats to donate for this project. So we had enough cash to buy T-shirts, food, water, get the the press involved, just to make it happen. So that was the first big beach cleanup that we arranged with the community in December 2003. And was that my cow you cleaned? Yes, my cow. So we did about just over one kilometer. We had a lot of people. It was wonderful. It was exciting. But unfortunately, in those days, food came in foam boxes. And the provider provided it like that. And what really shocked me was at the end of this cleanup, we were all celebrating, laughing, eating together, and some kids were walking with these foam boxes eating. They finished it, and guess what? They dropped dropped it. it. And then I realized, oh my goodness, there was no connection today. In order to do beach cleanups, there has to be education. There has to be a lot happening. It's awareness, action, and education. It can't be just one. And that's when I realized I wanted to do something more. And um, Lee Sutton from JW Marriott, She contacted me a few days later because she saw the newspaper Mm. article and said they have the My Cow Marine Turtle Foundation, and you know, please come along. So they invited me to be one of the board members, and it was incredible. We had great meetings. I helped to connect the local village who I now had connections with to the Turtle Foundation. And after about a year or so, I became the first coordinator of the My Cow Marine Turtle Foundation. That was way back in 2004, 2005, 2006, around that time. So I did that until 2009. And I realized in order to protect the turtles and the sea, we need to manage our rubbish. Because that is the biggest threat that they are facing, right? Pollution. Mm -hmm. We had many turtles washing up on the beach who had um, their fins cut off, severed because of fishing net and fishing rope. Many died because of plastic or polystyrene and even ingesting it yes so when you see all of that you realize like damn we have to sort out the rubbish problem because it's affecting so many marine life so so it's affecting everyone actually birds the whole lot so we had different projects like um, tree planting to keep the the beach protected so that the turtles would come up and not see the lights from the road for example we had turtle release and rescue Uh, what else beach cleanups of course recycling workshops and we worked with Ratchapat University. So it was a great deal. 
these students from Ratchapat learning environmental science, they would come and make and do this workshop for the kids from the five schools in the Maikau district. And it was very successful, very wonderful. It was a three-day workshop each time, the first day focusing on the problem. So we took the kids to the incinerator. That was an eye-opener. <laughs> Second day, we took them to a place where we could uh, learn how to make organic fertilizer and things like that and, on the third, and, and do a beach cleanup. And on the third day, it was solutions. Okay, guys, you've seen the problems. You've seen some options. What are the solutions? So the kids would come up with projects and ideas, which I think is very powerful and very uh, necessary for sustainable projects to happen. We just give the guidance, we give the ideas, the information, but it has to come from them. So I did this until 2009 and it was wonderful, but I had to leave to take care of my kids who were three and five at the time and homeschool them. Right. I think that you brought up a, a very important point there and it's education because for me, the education of the environment and the sustainability is a key thing. Because if you, if you don't know it's happening, you don't understand the damage it's causing, right. why would you care? Exactly. The, you know, well, there's and, and, there's and, an extra element to that. It's, it's not only that. I've, my, and I'm interested to know what your, your thoughts are for the foreseeable future and longer term. And more poignantly from a, par a parental point of view. Mm -hmm. So, Because my argument at the minute is with anything to do with environmental change and awareness. This generation, forget it. Because humans, as a general rule, no one, no one gives a shit about a fire alarm. No one cares about the if the fire alarm goes off in here now. At best, you'll open the door, maybe stick your head out. And that's it. If the flames are licking in through the room, you take action. And for me, that's I kind of feel that's where we're currently at globally. We're all aware that yeah, something's something is a mess, something is afoot. But it's not really bothering me right now. So. Oh, yeah, so a few tolls have died. Or, yeah, so, you know, that this is happening or what have you. And, yeah, so it was a big storm. and But it's not really affecting me. We need, and it's, it's horrible, but I kind of feel that we need something almost cataclysmic for someone to say, oh, wow, that's really affected me. That's affected millions of us at the same time in a, quite an awful kind of way. I mean, people say if, you know, one of the ice shelves... Um, starts to melt, sea levels are going to rise by a meter and a half, and there are some low-level coastal areas that are just going to be decimated. It's almost like we need that. Yeah, Norwich. Norwich can no, go. Yeah. But you need hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people suddenly fleeing for people to suddenly say, oh, okay, we need to take this kind of seriously. Now, going back to you guys as parents, your kids are growing up learning about this from day one. So they haven't been, they haven't, like we have grown up with the, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that you all threw cans out the window, but there were times when we were kids, you didn't know about it, you didn't care, just it was just stuff you did. But also for us, plastic was amazing. Plastic was incredible. Plastic changed our lives. Yeah. So, and it's, I'm interested to see what the kids of today can do in terms of actual general policy later on. Because that generation, they're all going to grow up to a large degree on the same page, which is a very different page to where we are now. Well, the problem we've got is cannabis is now legal, so the kids are going to grow up going, whatever, man. Yeah, whatever, man. Who gives a <laughs> shit? Yeah. So basically, we're fucked no matter what. Yeah. Or maybe it will give them brighter ideas. Or it, yeah, because it could go one way or the other. But, you, we'll, but either smoke, way, free, we'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> There'll be a lot of chocolate. Yeah, sold, we, that's we, I've sure. got the munchies, but as long as it's in recyclable paper. <laughs> I, I, no, I think you do, you bring up a point. And my, my kids are more environmentally 
um, friendly is the wrong word, but uh, aware. aware. But I remember I when I was at school, I did environmental studies as a GCSE because it, it was still there, but that was mainly about oil slicks and it was about, mainly yeah. about that. It was never talking about plastic. It was never talking about rubbish. It was yeah. never talking about sustainable because it's not just it was all about big that. picture it, yeah it's like you have an oil slick and that's what we're going to learn and what happens to seabirds yeah. get covered in oil and then you have to go and scrub them and that was but that's what the media yeah. was portraying of, and of which we have zero connection there's a complete disconnect between the average joe and a penguin covered in exxon oil it's horrible that it happened Can i just say allegedly exxon yeah, oil yeah. just in case they're listening or, or whoever they've got a lot of money russ yeah. And they've and if, got lawyers. That's true. And if you want to sponsor the podcast, please do get in touch at jdshark.gmail.com. We, we anyway. Love, we love petroleum companies. Yeah, Come and, join us. And penguins. <laughs> but there's a complete disconnect between that. We're much more connected with using recyclable coffee cups and the ring pools. That was a connect. I remember collecting the ring pools from at school. That was a, a thing you did. You collected cans, you collected ring pools, and they were sent off to recycling plants. And that was to generate awareness that this shit is bad. It's just not going to, nature's not going to deal with it. We have to deal with that. But, but, but Michelle, how does it work, do you think? Because obviously the, in, I don't is, there any, word, is there any hope for us? No, there is hope. But <laughs> yeah. what I want to say is that education is different in, in many different countries. I'm not trying to say the education in, in Thailand or other countries isn't as good, but maybe it isn't as good. And they're not focusing on the environmental side of things. So yes, the international schools are great. Yes, we can have our beach cleanup days. Yes, they can go and do their projects that they do and that that's fantastic well done them tick on the box but what about the people that actually need the education what's going to happen to them the ones that aren't at the international schools that are not getting that education where, where where's the you know how are they going to grow up to know that rubbish is bad it's happening and there are many thai groups who are very active and the government is, is working on it too. We maybe don't see it as foreigners. Mm -hmm. But since I've been working with, well, since Sustainable My Car Foundation is, is running and, and starting to get more and more connections, I see that there's a lot happening out there. And it's just connecting all these people. And that's what our mission is, actually. Our mission is connecting and empowering our community so, to sorry, preserve so, so our... Sustainable My yeah, Cow. That's it. Your, your mission is to just... To get people to join together and actually understand and work work more together because that would be nice that's because it. you see so many projects going on and none of them seem to want to ever work together well, I, I, I think you've both collectively touched on a very interesting topic here thanks you're welcome but in terms of you made the point that at a at an unseen level the likes that most of us westerners wouldn't see there are a lot of local smaller groups that are now taking this on board and saying, actually, yeah, this, this does make sense. This is important. We can run with it. And that education, that knowledge from people like yourselves is filtering through into the, the underground. What I tend to, the, the argument is often thrown at such organizations and such projects, like you mentioned, that they just pop up and it's all sort of flashbang. Yay, look at us. The, the accusation that can often be thrown is, well, why are the Westerners the ones that are fronting this? Why are we the ones that are doing this? And, and that shouldn't it be at a local level. For me, the two have to go in tandem often. Because if you don't know whether you're a Westerner or a local, it doesn't matter. If you don't have the knowledge, you're not going to do anything. So by at least being as a presence to provide knowledge and infrastructure and helping them to then take that forward, then it gets driven at a local level. What I often find is it can often be the Westerners that are setting these groups up that want to fly the flag, look at me, aren't I amazing? I'm doing my thing. Not all, but a lot. What I'm more impressed with is people, dare I say, like yourself, 
that are more interested in, in the actual, the end game, where this is going and realizing we need to get at a local level, not just get them involved, but empowered. Empowered, them. yes. Right? Give a man a fish, he eats for a day, teach exactly. him to fish, he eats for a life. Now, that sort of mentality, right? So that's what Hold we on. are. Sorry, yeah. before Confucius. you answer, don't eat fish because that's bad for the environment. Well, I think a balance, a balance of everything is yeah. better. Right? Yeah, you McDonald's is fine. <laughs> it's, it's, finding balance, it's finding balance in the force. That's it. And that's what our logo is all about. It's the mm -hmm. yin-yang because it's about balance. It's about uh, working together. It's about acceptance, right? And like it I said... Us. That's it. Like I said, it's to connect and empower the community. So we work with really basically everyone. We, we started working with hotels, but we also work with schools, local schools, international schools, the Oboto, the environmental department, 7-Eleven, businesses, restaurants, everyone. And what we try and do is bring everyone together for these beach cleanups. And through the beach cleanup, it's not just collecting rubbish, it's awareness. There's a briefing that takes place before the time. And we explain, firstly, the problem that Phuket is facing with the incinerator not being able to burn everything. We speak about the landfills, about the different kinds of rubbish, and about the reason why we separate our rubbish into 10 to 16 different categories when we have a beach cleanup. And you'll see on our Facebook page, Sustainable My Cow, My Cow Separately, you will see that every time we have a beach cleanup, we put information about how many kilograms we collected and we break it up into the 10 different categories because you always have those mm. 10 on the beach, sometimes more. And um, after, after telling them about the categories, we show them what can be made with the different kinds of rubbish because the whole idea is to separate the rubbish, send only the general rubbish to the incinerator and the other nine things have it recycled with recycling partners mm -hmm. or use it for art or things like that. So it's about sending less rubbish to the incinerator because if it goes to the incinerator and it's burned, that's great, but if it ends up on the landfill, it's only a matter of time before the rain and the wind will take it back to the sea mm -hmm. and we'll be picking it up in next week's cleanup. So we've got to manage our waste responsibly from every, every point because th everything two... leads to the ocean. No, you know? you're, you're absolutely right and I... As I'm sitting here with a plastic cup, I've yeah, noticed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like to say, I, I'll be taking this for arts and crafts. Yeah, like, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Or use yeah. it again. You know, yeah. I think arts and crafts is maybe the second last step before recycling. Mm -hmm. yeah, I yeah. think we have to do things that, that we have to, to recycle it or, or make it into something usable, something um, worthwhile. And, and you know, not just a decoration or something that will end up back in the landfill. That's absolutely it. Because the... I, I take the whole recycling for arts and crafts with a bit, if I'm honest, with a, a large chunk of salt. Um, and I find it quite quirky that, you know, uh, you know, parents, you know, this is this is my kids, they found this rubbish on the beach, and they made this wonderful piece of art. Yeah, great. In in a few weeks' time, that's going in the bin. All right, so we're, we're back to recycling all of that. I'm, I'm not completely bashing it, but looking at a longer-term plan, and, unless they've built a car out of that rubbish that so doesn't run on fuel... It's not particularly useful. It's got a very, very short shelf life. And in terms of teaching the kids or teaching anyone really about, yeah, if we don't deal with this rubbish properly, we're going to be picking it up again next week. The other side to that is our, and this is the generational thing, our deep-seated, deep-rooted need for stuff. And not only our need for it, our availability and our the ease at which we can gain 
stuff. Amazon, eBay, here in Thailand, Lazada. Were you pointing at my shoes then, Russell? Because I have a lot of shoes. Yeah, because <laughs> I can just flick on Lazada. And, oh, that's 200 baht. This, da, 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 da. It's too buy, easy. It's, mm. it's, and this is, this is nothing to do with the packaging that it comes in with, because we've all got our gripes about that. And the petrol Forget that. for the delivery. The, the whole, mm-hmm. the infrastructure to make that shit. I mean, cities get built overnight to pump that stuff out into the global market. And that is, it's not just, well, it's just me buying a pair of shoes. It's billions of people buying it. And because it was so cheap and easy, I've worn it once, I've got dirty, bin that, I'll have another pair. And because we have that, thank you, Brie, for agreeing with me. Because we have that ability, and because it's so easy and, I don't want to say cheap, but relatively inexpensive that we can afford at certain levels to do it, the it's very difficult to then go and say to, and you as parents might, better seated to answer this it's probably easier for you to say to your younger child i'll buy you the new pair of shoes that you need rather than giving you the hand-me-down or this is a recycled pair of shoes made out of plastic we got off the beach last week have those fuck off i want a brand new pair of nikes it's difficult especially with the international school community way of life you all we all know Um, a lot of kids have a lot of money and it's very easy to just buy things and your kids obviously see that and want to follow so it's and and sorry and sorry to interrupt here but not only that it's not they want to follow but it's like well i'm trying to do my good bit over here they're not that looks like way more fun and easier i'll just do that instead and that's not a phuket problem that's a global one I think as parents, and I mean, maybe maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but we just have to keep instilling this in our kids about you don't need all of that stuff, you know, and you can, there are other things that you can do with your money, you know, just buy what you need, don't overdo it. And my, my kids, happen. no, no, my kids are actually getting it. It's beautiful. When they first, because they did homeschool for a long time with me, then they went to BIS and of course they were exposed to this international school and all of that. And they had probably the first year where they wanted to go to Central and buy this and that mm-hmm. and that. But now they're not like that. They're starting to understand that or for, for some time now already that you don't have to buy that. Um, these pair of shoes are still good. Let's use them. So I think it can happen. And that goes back to your mm-hmm. first question earlier about hope. Is there hope for us? Yeah. I think there is. But we have to be very passionate about it. We have to fight for it. And we must never think that it's too late. I think a lot of people feel that it's too late in terms of the environment. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm right on the threshold. And, I, and I've had this discussion with a few other people um, who are like yourself. And I have an, an awful lot of time for people like yourself that have an awful lot of passion and drive for this mission. Because I don't have it. I'm, I'm a bit too jaded and I don't have the faith or hope in humanity that people like yourself do. And that's, that's my failing and I'm, I'm on board with it. And I... On one hand, I can say people don't respond to the alarm, they respond to the fire. If you can show me at the other end that that hope, there's a realistic achievable target, I'm on board. I'll give you everything I've got for it. I just don't see it. And I have to see that end game before I'm willing to to reinvest and get involved in it. I just just don't, because I see too much of the other side. It's like, we're all fucked. So how's this for a target? Go for it. Imagine... Living your life and making sure that you did the very best you could for what problem was out there that Mm -hmm. disturbed you. 
That's how I feel. I know what you mean. We have these up and down days very yeah. much when we work in this business. Days where you feel like, yeah, this is working. And other days where you feel like, why am I bothering? Yeah. I should be doing something else, making money, you know, because the foundation, it's all like volunteer, volunteer mm -hmm. work. And it's just, it can be crazy. But how would I live with myself one day if I knew that I didn't do the very best for this problem that I feel so strongly about? And that's what guides me. It doesn't guide everyone, I know. But if you feel something, if you, if you, if you feel so strongly about dogs, mm -hmm. you go ahead and make that canine um, mm -hmm. like you did, you know? So Can I just say it's Canine Point Academy. Thank it's caninepointacademy.com. <laughs> if you do need your dog trained or boarding at a luxury dog don't, resort. Don't, don't they have a podcast? They have a great they? podcast called Barkcast, <laughs> which you can download at your favorite podcast provider. You see, so there we go. That's Russell's passion and you're going for it, which is great. And I'm sure there's some way, uh, that, that, that's a piece of the puzzle. You know, I just posted something on Facebook recently. It's this big puzzle and we are all working on a piece of the puzzle. And this puzzle being making the world a better place, which whatever you're doing. Yeah. So what part are you working on? And, and that's important. And I don't think we should give up hope because if we give up hope, if the majority give up hope, we're doomed. Mm. We've got to keep on. And listen, I was at the market last Friday at the, the Boat Avenue market and the kids there were given a plastic bag and two of the kids took the stuff out of the plastic bag, gave the plastic bag and said, I don't need that. Mm -hmm. And it's little, it's little things yeah. like that that are winning. Yes. And, yeah, yeah, you and know, the, the, I, the, the it, war's a long war, but if you're winning these little battles, yeah. you know, eventually, it's, you know... It's baby steps, to be fair. And I, I, I've noticed in the last few... I mean, okay, COVID, whatever aside, the last few years, there has been significant change that I've noticed in Phuket. I agree. If there's more awareness. Simple things like 7-Eleven uh, or, or any of the, the supermarkets not throwing out plastic bags all the time. Um, okay, you can make an argument that they're, they're quite happy to pump out the recyclable bags, but if you're still pumping them out, they've got to be made and all of that. I, I get it. But at the same time, it's better than plastic and we are moving in the right direction. We're not going to get from, oh, we're not going to get from here to the end game overnight. All right, we're, we're all aware of that. I think for me, where I start to get a bit jaded and lose hope is the people that have the money and the power base to really make effective change don't. They don't need to. And then we look down, I was at the bottom of the food chain, but we look further down the ladder and have this expectation that people down the ladder who are going to do this either gratis or at low end to try and instill change at a educational, uh, systemic, political level, that falls on us. And who are we? We don't have the money or the power base to do that. And to what end game? So we can come up with all these great ideas, but it, if it's not being drilled in from the very, very top, it's that's where I... It's never going to be drilled in from the very, very top. And I and think that's, that... that's... Sorry to come around to it, but that's where... I don't have kids, and I'm fucking grateful for that at the minute, and I will continue to be grateful for that. However, you guys do, and it is my hope that it's your kids that are the ones that grow up to be in that high-end power base that will say hang on the knowledge that we've garnered and gained over the years right now we're in a position to generally do something about it at a much bigger level so you think zahara and ashton are going to save the world brilliant thanks man <laughs> you see you shouldn't be angry with him when he when, you, when he wakes you up well in the i mean morning, right? it's ashton i'm okay. allowed to be angry with him. i've got more faith in zahara <laughs> but you know <laughs> I love she's, you. I love my, you too. Ashton. She's my favourite. They, they don't listen. It's okay. He's my favourite. Oh, I'll let it that bit out. I'm yeah, not yeah. sure which one to put in. They're both my favourites. That's yeah. it. You have no favourites. You yeah. love them both. No, I do. Queen. Sometimes I don't like. Say that. No, I, I can. I can say it to them. I yeah. Today to it's Sahara. All ends up. I think the key thing for me, and 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 you're right. Big business and the big 
whatever. I mean, they not, might not do it. But we all, if we can just do our bit, and that might be me taking this plastic cup that I did stupidly get and taking it back and saying, no, thank you. It might be you not driving to your work one day because you live quite close and walking to it. As, as long as everyone does a little bit, yes, it might not change the whole world, but eventually, you know, it will. And, you know, and people will follow, you know, the likes of, yeah, you, you might not be a parent, Russ, mm. but there are people that still follow you and respect you and see what you do. And, okay, so you're not influencing your children, but you're influencing other people. Mm. You know, the same way that I'm influencing my kids, it's like you're influencing friends. I'm not sure what friends. Don't have any. <laughs> yeah, you have. You've got many more friends than I have. <laughs> it's a low bar. <laughs> anyway. Um, just, just to jump in. On. So it's like this podcast right now. It's, mm. it's awareness. You know, um, like you say, we, we, we have to get Some that message out. Some people say it's funny, out. not just, you know, but okay, you can use awareness. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's funny too, but it's, it's, you, you, it's awareness. Like, oh, um, we're back to Nazis. Um, <laughs> sharing, sharing information. Those who have uh, passion and, and have ideas and it's sharing information. And I think just to, to finish off about the, the top and the bottom, I think we have to work both ways, from the bottom up and from the top down. Agreed. Yeah, the yeah. top down is very difficult to work from. I, I agree mm. with you because they have their yachts and their, their, their airplanes and they don't really care what's going to happen next maybe. But there are a few of those top people who do care and we have to find a way to get to them. Mm. And all these environmental things have to become trendy. You know, you were saying that people will not put their heads up, will not run out if there's a fire. But... If it's something where they can take a picture, a selfie of them doing something to do with the environment, then it becomes interesting. Mm -hmm. So how can we make it trendy, fun, exciting, and something that people want to be a part of? I, I, I understand your point there, and I, I largely disagree with it. I, I, I know what you're saying, but that's the driver has to be that the bottom line has to be I'm doing this to help the environment. If I'm taking a selfie of it, and you're absolutely right, it's car crash TV. Oh, wow, there's this, let me take, this is me. Wow, look at me doing some good. It becomes about that. It's the image of me. And that was the point I made about other people setting up different projects. It's about the me. I'm, look at me, aren't I amazing for doing yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, I would argue if there was anyone, some private detective looking at the back end of their lives, they're the ones bombing around in fucking Jeeps and got their yachts and they don't give a shit about the environment until they're on camera. And then it's about how I look. So true, true, but... I'm slagging off a, a lot no, no, of people no. all in one hit. No, there. no, there you are, really are. You really are. Yeah. But that one person that might have 10,000 followers, yep. those 10,000 followers might see that and say, oh, I'm going to go and do that because that whoever beautiful person who is, yeah. might not be the most environmental friendly, and might have just done it for that one selfie. Yeah. But at least that person, male, female, or whoever it is, has touched someone else. And if one of those people go, do you know what? I'm going to go and do mm. a beach cleanup out of that 10,000. No, yeah. Then that's worth. Then it's worth it. And give a shit what the other person yeah. has done. Because right? you want the masses to do it rather than the one. Fair exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, I, I do get mm. what you, I totally agree with you, but you've always, and I'm cynical about the hotels doing their beach cleanups. And I used to hate the fact they used to hotel, look at us. We've done a beach cleanup and here's our mm. vinyl banner to say come beach stay, cleanup March 2022. Yeah. It's like, brilliant. You've just done a beach cleanup with a banner, which we can do with that banner now. That's now rubbish. You know, you've just done that in front of your hotel. Why are you only cleaning in front of your hotel? Go out and why do you have to tell people about it? But at least they are and yeah. they're doing something. And yeah. it might be, I might disagree with it. I might hate it and I might be cynical about it, which I am. But I'm starting cynical? to, <laughs> I'm very cynical. No. But I'm also starting to learn, 
look, I'll take the, I'm going to take the positive out of that. Mm. And the positive is you have cleaned up something. You have got the message across. Okay, we know why you've done it. It might not be for the reasons that you should be doing it, but there's a positive there. Yeah. And I think that's the key thing. Exactly. And I completely agree with that. If people are doing it for their image or if they're doing it for the mm. selfie or whatever, it doesn't matter just as long as they're doing it because the end result is what we are looking for, yeah. cleaning up the, the beaches and the environment. And because um, a lot of people, and, and I completely see that where people will clean the beach or, or do it not because they want to clean the beach. It's because they can get something from yeah. it. So we need to adjust our way of doing things and Find a way for people to get what they want, whether mm. it's recognition, whether it's fame, whether it's um, girlfriend, free food, oh, or whatever, or a girlfriend. We huh? we got to feed off that. I, I was hoping you were about to say that. I've got a few that. that you need to that's, meet. That's, <laughs> that's what I was hoping for. That's exactly. That's what I thought you were going to say that. So that so perfect. if anybody wants to do a beach cleanup and they want publicity, please come on round. You I know, we'll give you Jay. publicity. Bring your sign. We'll make the whole Facebook thank you to this particular place, and we do that. With the with with whoever joins our beach cleanup, we thank them. We publicize what they've done. We hashtag them. We because people must get recognition for it. If that's what feeds people, if that's what's going to make it work, whatever. No, I agree. I agree. Do your bit. That's my advice. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, Russell, I think you might want to change this last question slightly. Why? Well, I don't think. Well, I'm fairly confident she knows the, the earth isn't flat. Oh, we haven't done that question for a long time. I, I, I don't even need to ask this. I'm fairly confident you think the earth isn't flat. I don't but know. I thought it was. We could throw rubbish off the edge. Right? Huh? I mean, how much it just, you know, just, just pass instead up of the ocean. The oil. Open, open a hatch in an igloo, <laughs> out the back door, off the edge. Push off the oil-covered penguin, covered in Exxon oil. <laughs> Other oil companies are available <laughs> that kill penguins, apparently. Allegedly. 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 Um, no, the other question, please. Uh, what sort of things do you have on your bucket list? And I'd like to tweak this slightly. Excuse me. Sure. <laughs> on your environmental bucket list and sustainable bucket list, please. Well, I'd like yes, to... Yes, not a plastic bucket. No, no. Paper bucket. Okay, no, That'd no. That'd be awful. Okay, we go back to the question. Uh, sustainability, I really hope that we can get our foundation up to a level where we are working with many, many different uh, members of the community Okay, what we want to do is make Maikau a pilot, a pilot project. Okay, so we have set, or, or let's say an example. You're laughing, but listen. Why was just, I laughing? Just, it, it's, it's about Daisy. the Maikau story. It's just Daisy. So <laughs> think about or this Or Maikau to be a pillar of the community. Just, sorry. Just. We, we have seven projects, right? We have say seven cows. <laughs> So oh, yeah. like really, I'm really sorry, Michelle. It's okay. This is supposed to be a serious bit, right? This is a serious sorry. bit. Okay. Get Daisy <laughs> yeah, and, out her, head, yeah. and her herd out of your head, so to speak. So I'll say the place, right? The, yeah, the, the place. place. No, you can say my this, cow. This I'm district, the my cow district, the my cow district has um, a lot of beauty in it, okay? It's the last place to be developed in Phuket, as you know. So what we want to do is get my cow up to a level where it is sustainable. That's why sustainable my cow. Mm -hmm. So we have the beach cleanups, we have recycling projects, education, composting and food reduction, plastic reduction. Uh, what else? We have tourism, ecotourism and agriculture. So these seven projects all work together with the community. Bree doesn't like my projects. No, he's loving it. He's, oh, this is amazing. Okay, so if we, if we can work all these projects and make them run, Everybody will benefit. Because think about it. If we have ecotourism, 
will get to keep those parts of Maikau beautiful. We have mangrove, we have a 12-kilometer beach, we have um, beautiful places, you know, beautiful places. We have farmlands, and it's very green. It's one of the last green places in Phuket. So if we can get it into ecotourism, the hotels will benefit, the local groups and shops will benefit, they'll be able to do their sustainable tourism and community-based tourism. And if everyone is getting money coming in, it will push them to do things like uh, keeping it clean, keeping it green. You know, that's actually our... Because it works. Also, the agriculture in Maikau, if we can make it profitable, have a farm-to-table concept, and also involve the hotels where the, 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 the tourists from the hotels are going to these farms, picking their own vegetables, like the Prue Garden, learning about the natural herbs and how it's good for your health, things like that. So it's a big project, but... It, Basically, it all comes down to keeping it clean and protecting the ocean and really being proud of our village and developing it in the right way. Fantastic. Thank you. Amazing. No, good so for you. I, it, it takes passionate people like yourself mm -hmm. to really drive this forward. It, it really does. And I've been on a few committees for environmental and sustainable committees and gardening committees and all, all sorts of stuff. And, it, and I, I'm not the right person and I never have been. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to support, but I've never been, I, I, you know, it takes people like yourself that can really drive it forward and passionate. And, and you will change the world and you are changing the world. And you're, you know, it might be just Phuket One and, beach at and, a your, time. and your, cow, your cow, Daisy. One cow at a time. <laughs> That's it. But it's a start. <laughs> thank you. So thank you for all the work you've done. We will put the links in the description to um, the Sustainable My Cow. Is that the Facebook? Is just, if you just search Sustainable My Cow or is it My Cow Sustainable? It's Sustainable My Cow, mm -hmm. but it's My Cow in two words. Okay. Because we first made a profile and I'm using the page now, which is My Cow in two words. Perfect. Okay. okay. And you advertise your beach cleanups and anyone can come and join at any time? Anyone can join anytime. We have scheduled beach cleanups. So we have three to five beach cleanups per week at the moment wow. in the monsoon season. Mm -hmm. We had a yeah, big one yesterday with government officials, which was wonderful. But we also do um, schools, for example, on Wednesday for UWC Day. The students will come to our place for the second time around, and around now. We'll do a briefing and then go to the beach, collect rubbish, sort way. So we do it for schools, for businesses. We have a group coming from Singapore in November who want to volunteer and do this as well. Uh, the police, we've done it with the police force. Whoop, whoop, Is under the police. <laughs> so um, anybody can get involved if you want a private beach cleanup. With a, with a group, if it's an incentive trip, we can arrange that too. We also do education going to different schools. We do consulting for businesses. If you want to make your business more sustainable, we can do things like setting up the recycling as well as finding recycling partners to do something with the rubbish, training staff about how to do an effective beach cleanup, and also... Um, I've got a question. Yeah, sure. Can you come consult at my place? Sure. And tell me how I can recycle some dog poo. Hmm. Well, I know elephant, I've got poo, a lot. elephant <laughs> poo can be made into paper, so we should try with the dog poo, yeah. if you want. I won't be touching it, though. Just, but I'm just trying to help. The problem with dog poo is what they eat. So start making them all vegans, and then there might be a way around it. Right, okay. But right now, there's nothing you can do with dog poo apart it's from... It's useless. It is useless. Fertilizer? No, no it doesn't. No. Can't use it. I mean, literally. Can't no. use it. Yeah. No, it has to, because you have to have plant-based... So elephant dung is really good for yeah. composting horse, cow, horse anything cows. like that. Oh, my cow. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Chickens. anything that's a meat eater or it's just, it doesn't work. That's I'm a, a compost shame. king. I okay. compost at home a lot. Good. 
I got to come see your composting. Thank you so, very much. Yeah, that's what we offer. And um, speaking of art, just to go back so that I don't look like a hypocrite, I'm bringing this up. On Sunday, we actually have... Um, is that this Sunday coming? This Sunday coming. This doesn't come out till next week. No problem. So, so last, last Sunday. Sunday. No problem. <laughs> so we, it's great because we are planning to build a recycling and learning center on Maikau Beach. So Oboto Maikau is supporting us and they've arranged for the golf tournament on, on Sunday at Blue Canyon for the proceeds to go to our foundation. Oh, cool. fantastic. So nice. what they've asked us to do in the morning is have a recycled art workshop. So I don't want to see, seem like a hypocrite. Are they making the trophy? For the golf tournament? No, oh, unfortunately cool. not. It's good that a golf course is sponsoring a sustainable project. Let's not get cynical yeah, yeah, about no. golf right, courses. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, um, at least no, they're doing their part. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but this is a key thing. They're doing their bit and they yes. are helping out by giving you some funds and, and mm. support. And so, look, it is what it is. Mm. It's cool. Sure. But we cool. still need people like yourself who are amazing. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you both very much. Cool. I've enjoyed thank it. You. Good no worries. chat. Thanks, Russ. Cheers, buddy. Thank you, sweet. Thank you, guys. Goodbye. Welcome to the outro. That was fun. Did you enjoy that? I did. She's lovely, Michelle, isn't she? And her cow. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't have a cow, Russell. It's my cow, the beach. I, I still thought it was a good gag. No, nice to have you back, by the way. Missed you last week. Aww. I know. Anyway, um, what do you do for the environment? Uh, probably nowhere near as much as I should. Really? Um, I mean, I do my bit. Which bit do you do? I try not to use lots of plastic. Start. You don't eat that much meat anymore, do you? I've certainly cut down on my meat and dairy consumption by a lot. Mm. Are you now? <laughs> Are you now a proper vegetarian? No, absolutely not. Okay, just checking. I don't want you to be. But no, um, she an amazing lady, and it it does take someone like that to drive it forward. And I know that you're negative about the whole. I'm, I'm, am I negative? Oh, I probably am. Why, why, why fight it? Um, but no, I, I probably partly because of my said negativity or fence sitting, I do generally have a lot of time and energy and support for people like herself and for others that fight the good fight and fly the flag because they have what I don't in that insatiable drive to keep going forward and say, no, we can do this and we should do this. And I agree with all of that in its entirety. And I will happily be a sheep and follow and do my bit um, in their wake. Or a cow. Or a cow. But um, you know, I think you mentioned it on the podcast. I mean, you said you know, you're not one of those people to drive it forward. Neither am I. We're, we probably shouldn't be anywhere near the front of it. Um, but we can certainly pick up and follow uh, and pick up others with us and take them on that journey. But we need to see the path in front of us. Absolutely. I think more people should be involved. Go and help. Help if you can. Yes. Do your bit. Where can they find links and information for uh, Sustainable MyCal? Uh, links in description. And information. Links in the description. There, there, there you go. You see. And the information will be on the links. If you click the link, then that will give the information. In the description. Do you think everyone's got that? <laughs> I think the links are in the description. <laughs> right. Um, no, she was lovely. I like Michelle. She's a lovely, lovely person. Amazing mm. story. Amazing journey to get here. And, um, and she's actually doing something that she's passionate about. As many people we talk to are always doing stuff that they're passionate about. And her passion is the environment, which is, I think is very important. It's very important. probably the most important topic for us all at the moment. Bree doesn't think so. He's asleep. Yeah. Right. On that note, 
Thanks for your time, Russ. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, mate. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Oh, by the way, I'll be on Same Shark Time, Same Shark Place next week with a guest. Hey. Russell. We, actually, we do actually have a guest. You organised it, I Russ. did indeed. I'm very excited for this. I'm excited too because I have no idea who it is. Oh, okay. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye. Follow us on Facebook at Jail Shark and Friends. On Twitter at Phuket Podcast. On Instagram at Phuket Podcast. But the best place to go is PhuketPodcast.com. The Jail Shark and Friends and Russell podcast was created and produced by Shark 13 Productions. If you are looking to start a podcast or would like to learn more about how a podcast can work alongside your current marketing plans, then contact us now at j at shark13productions.com.